0: Hello, and welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. I am your host, Jim Freund. Lightspeed Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams, and our podcast is produced by Skyboat Media. Today's story is Time Shards by Gregory Benford, narrated by Stefan Rathnicki. This story was first published in Universe 9, edited by Terry Carr. It is copyright 1979 by Gregory Benford and is used here by permission of the author. Gregory Benford is a professor of physics and astronomy at the University of California. He is a Woodrow Wilson fellow, Phi Beta Kappa, and was a visiting fellow at Cambridge University. In 1995, he received the Lord Prize for contributions to science. A fellow of the American Physical Society, his fiction has won many awards, including the Nebula Award for his novel Timescape. In 2007, he was awarded the Asimov Memorial Award for popularizing science. So, it's time to buckle up. We're
1: going to light speed. Time Shards by Gregory Benford. It had all gone very well, Brooks told himself. Very well, indeed. He hurried along the side corridor, his black dress shoes clicking hollowly on the old tiles. This was one of the oldest and most rundown of the Smithsonian's buildings. Too bad they didn't have the money to knock it down. Funding. Everything was a matter of funding. He pushed open the door of the barn-like workroom and called out, "'John, uh, how did you like the ceremony?' John Hart appeared from behind a vast rack that was filled with fluted pottery. His thin face was twisted in a scowl, and he was puffing on a cigarette. Didn't go. John, that's not permitted. Brooks waved at the cigarette. You, of all people, should be careful about contamination of hell with it. He took a final puff, belched blue, and ground out the cigarette on the floor. You really should have watched the dedication of the vault, you know, Brooks began, adopting a bantering tone. You had to keep a light touch with these research types. The president was there. She made a very nice speech. I was busy. Oh? Something in Hart's tone put Brooks off his conversational stride. Well, you'll be glad to hear that I had a little conference with the board just before the dedication. They've agreed to continue supporting your work here. Hmm. You must admit they're being very fair.' As he talked, Brooks threaded amid the rows of pottery, each in a plastic sleeve. This room always made him nervous. There was priceless Chinese porcelain here, Assyrian stoneware, buff-blue Roman glazes, Egyptian earthenware, and Brooks lived in mortal fear that he would trip, fall, and smash some piece of history into shards. After all, you did miss your deadline. You got nothing out of all this, a sweep of the hand narrowly missing a green Persian tankard, for the vault. Hart, who was studying a small brownish water jug, looked up abruptly. What about the wheel recording? Well, there was that, but the best in the world, damn it! They heard it some time ago. They were very interested. You told them what they were hearing? Hart asked intensely. Of course I. You could hear the hoof beats of cattle clear as day. They heard. Several commented on it. Good. Hart seemed satisfied, but still strangely depressed. "'But you must admit, that isn't what you promised,' Hart said sourly. "'Research can't be done to a schedule.' Brooks had been pacing up and down the lanes of pottery. He stopped suddenly, pivoted on one foot, and pointed a finger at Hart. "'You said you have a voice.' "'That was the promise. Back in 98 you said you would have something "'for the bi-millennium celebration, and—' "'Okay, okay,' Hart waved away the other man's words. "'Look!' Brooks strode to a window and jerked up the blinds. "'From this high up in the Arts and Industries building, "'the bi-millennial vault was a flat concrete slab "'sunk in the Washington mud. "'It had rained the day before. "'Now bulldozers scraped piles of gravel and mud into the hole— packing it in before the final encasing shield was to be laid. The vault itself was already sheathed in sleeves of concrete, shock-resistant and immune to decay. The radio beacons inside were now set. Their radioactive power supply would automatically stir to life exactly a thousand years from now. Periodic bursts of radio waves would announce to the world of the trimillennium that a message from the distant past awaited whoever dug down to find it. Inside the vault were artifacts, recordings, everything the Board of Regents of the Smithsonian thought important about their age. The coup of the entire vault was to have been a message from the first millennium, the year 1000 A.D. Hart had promised them something far better than a mere written document from that time. He said he could capture a living voice. "'See that,' Brooks said with sudden energy. That vault will outlast everything we know. All those best-selling novels and funny plays and amazing scientific discoveries. They'll all be dust when the vault's opened. Yeah, Hart said. Yeah? That's all you can say? Well, sure. i The vault was important, and I was stupid enough. He rounded on Hart abruptly, anger flashing across his face. To chew up some of the only money we had for the vault to support you. Hart took an involuntary step backward. You knew it was a gamble. I knew, Brooks nodded ruefully. And we waited and waited. Well, your waiting is over, Hart said, something hardening in him. What? I've got it. A voice. You have? In the stunned silence that followed, Hart bent over casually and picked up a dun-colored water jug from the racks. An elaborate, impossibly large-winged orange bird was painted on its side. Hart turned the jug in his hands, hefting its weight. Why, it's too late for the vault, of course, but still, Brooks shuffled his feet. I'm glad the idea paid off. That's great. Yeah, great. Hart smiled sourly. And you know what it's worth? Just about this much. He took the jug in one hand and threw it. It struck the far wall with a splintering crash. Shards flew like a covey of frightened birds that scattered through the long ranks of pottery. Each landed with a ceramic tinkling. "'What are you doing?' Brooks began, dropping to his knees without thinking to retrieve a fragment of the jug. "'That jug was worth nothing,' Hart said. "'It was a fake. Almost everything the Egyptians sent was bogus. But why are you—' "'You said you succeeded.' brooks was shaken out of his normal role of undersecretary to the smithsonian i did for what it's worth well show me hart shrugged and beckoned brooks to follow him he threaded his way through the inventory of glazed pottery ignoring the extravagant polished shapes that flared and twisted in elaborate artful designs the fruit of millennia of artisans glazes of feldspath lead tin ruby salt jasperware soft paste porcelain, Albaraloa festooned with ivy and laurel, "'flaring lips and serene curved handles, "'a galaxy of the work of the first millennium and after, "'assembled for Hart's search. "'It's on the wheel,' Hart said, gesturing. "'Brooks walked around the spindle "'fixed at the center of a horizontal disk. "'Hart called it a potter's wheel, "'but it was a turntable, really, "'firmly buffered against the slightest tremor "'from external sources.' A carefully arranged family of absorbers isolated the table from everything but the variable motor seated beneath it. On the turntable was an earthenware pot. It looked unremarkable to Brooks, just a dark red oxidized finish, a thick lip, and a rather crude handle, obviously molded on by a lesser artisan. "'What's its origin?' Brooks said, mostly to break the silence that lay between them. "'Southern England.' Hart was logging instructions into the computer terminal nearby. Lights rippled on the staging board. How close to the first mill? Around 1280 A.D., apparently. Not really close, then, but interesting. Yeah. Brooks stooped forward. When he peered closer, he could see the smooth finish was an illusion. A thin thread ran around the pot so fine the eye could scarcely make it out. The lines wound in a tight helix. In the center of each delicate line was a fine hint of blue. The jug had been incised with a precise point. Good. That was exactly what Hart had said he sought. It was an ancient common mode of decoration, incise a seemingly infinite series of rings as the pot turned beneath the cutting tool. The cutting tip revealed a differently colored dye underneath, a technique called sgraffito, the scratched, it could never have occurred to the Islamic potters who invented sgraffito that they were in fact devising the first phonograph records. Hart pressed a switch and the turntable began to spin. He watched it for a moment, squinting with concentration. Then he reached down to the side of the turntable housing and swung up the stylus manifold. It came up smoothly and Hart locked it in just above the spinning red surface of the pot. Not a particularly striking item, is it? "'Brooks said conversationally. "'No. "'Who made it? "'Near as I can determine, "'somebody in a cooperative of villages, "'barely Christian, "'still used lots of pagan decorations, "'got them scrambled up with a cross motif a lot. "'You've gotten words?' "'Oh, sure. "'In early English, even. "'I'm surprised crude craftsmen "'could do such delicate work. "'Luck, some of it. "'They probably used a pointed wire.' a new technique that had been imported around that time from Saxony. The computer board hooted a readiness call. Hart walked over to it, thumbed in instructions, and turned to watch the stylus wear in a millimeter closer to the spinning jug. Damn, Hart said, glancing at the board. Correlators giving hash again. Hart stopped the stylus and worked at the board. Brooks turned nervously and paced, unsure of what his attitude should be toward Hart. Apparently the man had discovered something, but did that excuse his surliness? Brooks glanced out the window where the last crowds were drifting away from the vault dedication and strolling down the mall. There was a reception for the Board of Regents in Georgetown in an hour. Brooks would have to be there early to see that matters were in order. If you'd given me enough money, I could have had a Hewlett Packard. Wouldn't have to fool with this piece of— Hart's voice trailed off. Brooks had to keep reminding himself that this foul-tempered, scrawny man was reputed to be a genius. If Hart had not come with the highest of recommendations, Brooks would never have risked valuable vault funding. Apparently, Hart's new method for finding correlations in a noisy signal was a genuine achievement. The basic idea was quite old, of course. In the 1960s, a scientist at the American Museum of Natural History in New York had applied a stylus to a rotating urn and played the signal through an audio pickup. Out came the re sound of the original potter's wheel where the urn was made. It had been a Roman urn, made in the era when hand-turned wheels were the best available. The natural history recording was crude, but even that long ago they could pick out a moment when the potter's hand slipped and the rhythm of the re faltered. Hart had read about that urn and seen the possibilities. He developed his new multiple-correlation analysis, a feat of programming, if nothing else, and began searching for pottery that might have acoustic detail in its surface. The sgraffito technique was the natural choice. Potters sometimes used fine wires to incise their wares. Conceivably, anything that moved the incising wire, passing footfalls, even the tiny acoustic push of sound waves, could leave its trace on the surface of the finished pot, buried among imperfections and noise, eroded by the random bruises of history. "'Got it,' Hart said, fatigue creeping into his voice. "'Good, good. Yeah. Listen.' The stylus whirred forward. It gently nudged into the jug near the lip. Hart flipped a switch and studied the rippling, dancing yellow lines on the board oscilloscope. "'Electronic Archaeology. "'There!' "'A high-pitched whining came from the speaker, "'punctuated by hollow, deep bass thumps. "'Hear that? He's using a foot-pump.' "'A kick-wheel?' "'Right. I thought they came later. "'No, the Arabs had them. "'There came a clop-clop-clop, getting louder. "'It sounded oddly disembodied in the silence of the long room. "'What? "'Horse. I detected this two weeks ago.' checked it with the equestrian people. They say the horse is unshod, assuming we're listening to it walk on dirt. Farm animal, probably. Plow puller. Ah. The hoofbeats faded. The whine of the kick wheels sang on. Here it comes, Hart whispered. Brooks shuffled slightly. The ranks upon ranks of ancient pottery behind him made him nervous, as though a vast, unmoving audience were in the room with them. Thin, distant, "'Aye,' a gruff reply. "'It slumps, sure. I be Ockman,' a rasping, impatient voice. "'Tart, busy, mark. "'Ah, wearied o' their laws,' The thin voice persisted. I so, all. "'What market?' "'Restrained impatience. They're Christ, he works benjamin on the alt-spirits.' Hey, your tongue. They'll here hear. We are Christ everywhere. A pause, then faintly as though a whisper. We are lodged the alt-spirits. Ah, you, the rash-gazer. I spy storm-rack. A hue and grey rises by the somerses For we? Aye, unless we spake the ave-maris-stella are theirs. "'Lat for that. I, I'll do it. my knees still buckle when they must. "'I can't that. So shall I. "'Aye, so shall we all. off the spirits. They suffer pangs, dark workers. "'They are lodged. "'Ah, uh, where? "'Start. "'Here? In me clay? "'Any other vessels?' "'Nay.' I chanted em in for sunbreak. Nay, I fan what ye not. Whirr, whirr, whir. The kick wheel thumps came rhythmically. They sighed through in twixt clay. S' done. For what? These pots, they bear a fineness, ay. Aye. A rumbling. Well, hie home, er, live in your pots. An. When time works athwart the christers, Yon spirits of leaf and bough Will, I say, high and gree To your son's man, To your son's son's man. My pots, carry your ken. Ay, I, I invest the clay With ernst spirit, So when ye causes it to dance, Our law says, were a hollow rattle. Even this ear, as I spin it, I... "'The spirit's in it. Speak as ye form. "'The dance, twill carry your shop word to your sons, "'your sons, 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 while it's spinning.' "'Brooks felt his pulse thumping in his throat. "'Aye, that. Speak into it, to your sons. "'Ah!' Suddenly the voice came louder. "'Aye, aye, there.' If ye hear me, sons, I be from your past, the ancient days. Tell them what ye must. Aye, sons, blood of mine, mark ye. High not to strags in the house of lutes, they carry the red pox, and and beware the kinseps, they booger all they rule, and whilst pot-charring, Mix the fair smelt with grino erst, ere ye'll flux it fair speedy. Ne'er leave a sheep near a lane house, nay, he'll suck down on it. Wurr, whir, whurr, thump, whir. "'What? What happened? Brooks gasped. He must have brushed the incising wire a bit. The cut continues, but the fine touch was lost. Vibrations as subtle as a voice couldn't register. Brooks looked around, dazed for a place to sit in. Incredible, I suppose. Hart seemed haggard, worn. They were about to convert to Christianity, weren't they? Hart nodded. They thought they could seal up the, what, wood spirits they worshipped, pack them away by blessing the clay or something like that, and that the clay would carry a message to the future. So it did to their sons, sons, sons. Brooks paused. Why are you so depressed, Hart? This is a great success. Abruptly, Hart laughed. <laughs> I'm not, really. Just, well, manic, I guess. We're so funny, so absurd. Think about it, Brooks, all that hooey the potter shouted into his damned pot. What did you make of it? Well, gossip, mostly. I can't get over what a long shot this is, that we'd get to hear it. Maybe it was a common belief back then. Maybe many tried it. And maybe now I'll find more pots with just ordinary conversation on them. Who knows? He laughed again, a slow, warm chuckle. We're all so absurd. Maybe Henry Ford was right. History is bunk. I don't see why you're carrying on this way, Hart. Granted, the message was obscure— that unintelligible information about making pottery and tips on keeping sheep, yes, and useless, right? Well, probably. To us, anyway. The conversation before that was much more interesting. Uh-huh. Here's a man who was talking to the ages, sending what he thinks is most important, and he prattles out a lot of garbage. Well, true. And it was important. To him? Yes. Hart walked stiffly to the window. Earth movers crawled like eyeless insects beneath the wan-yellow lamps. Dusk had fallen. Their great awkward scoops pushed mounds of mud into the square hole where the vault rested. Look at that, Hart gestured. The vault. Our own monument to our age. Passing on the legacy. You, me, the others. We've spent years on it. Years and a fortune, he chuckled dryly. What makes you think we've done any better?
0: Welcome back. You've been listening to Stefan Rutnicki reading Time Shards by Gregory Benford. We hope you enjoyed it. If so, please help spread the word by leaving a review or rating at iTunes or the social media venue of your choice. If you are not already a subscriber to our twice-consecutive Hugo Award-winning magazine, check out our many options at lightspeedmagazine.com slash subscribe. Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast, produces the stories for this podcast. They are headed by the Audi and Grammy Award-winning narrators Stefan Rudnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Music and sound logos are composed and performed by Jack Kincaid, and post-production for Lightspeed is in association with yours truly. Lightspeed Year One contains all the podcasts from our first year and is available at downpour.com and audible.com. This month, our sponsor is Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy, a new entry in the acclaimed Best American series from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. In this first volume, series editor John Joseph Adams, in collaboration with guest editor Joe Hill, present the 20 best science fiction and fantasy stories published in 2014, including work by Neil Gaiman, Karen Russell, T.C. Boyle, Shannon McGuire, Kelly Link, Sophia Samatar, Daniel H. Wilson, and others. Learn more at johnjosephadams.com slash best dash American. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Lightspeed Magazine. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. See you on the Bitstream. I'm Jim Freund, wishing you cheers from all of us at Lightspeed.